because right-wing Christianity and right-wing politics seemingly are destroying our culture and our country, the question is, can we have joy? I hear from a lot of people who say, you know, wow, it's, I just can't believe what's going on. It's hard to have joy. And I'm going to tell you a few things about why I feel there's a purpose to this season and why we can have peace, even as I would say, yes, we are headed to something of a cultural collapse in our culture because of right-wing Christianity and right-wing politics. And I think if you follow the Bible, the Christian Protestant Bible and the and their version of the Hebrew part of that Bible, you can understand that actually we've seen this happen before quite a few times in history. And so I'm going to tell you why in this version of Pastor Paul's Bible Talk. Can we have joy in the middle of cultural meltdown? And can we be okay? And is there a purpose to right-wing Christianity and right-wing politics destroying our country. So let's talk about it. We see stories in the Old Testament quite a bit uh, in the past when cultures came to their end. And always, particularly the story in the Bible, was that cultures came to their end when they no longer took care of the poor, the foreigner, the marginalized, and the economically disadvantaged. And that was a problem. So we see this if you read throughout the book of Judges, um, through much of the Old Testament prophets, we see it again and again. And in the book of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 5, it says, "They've you've forgotten the plight of the poor, you've become fat and lazy, and you care only about enriching yourselves. And, and the chapter finishes in the end of chapter five with Jeremiah saying a message from God saying, do not listen to the prophets who tell you that your country's going to be okay, that, that your country is so important to God, you're going to be okay. No, the Babylonians, Jeremiah said, will come and overturn our culture and destroy our country. And it is God's mercy that it happens. Um, and the end of the chapter is a terrible thing is happening in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, which we're definitely seeing in our culture today. The prophets are prophesying falsely. The leaders are leading out of the words of the prophets, and my people like it that way. And the chapter finishes ominously with, but what will you do when the end comes? Fairly scary words. But the interesting thing about Jeremiah is he's constantly, we even call him the weeping prophet. And he wrote a book called Lamentations where he laments what's going on. But two of our favorite passages to draw hope from were written by Jeremiah in this era of history. One of them, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but to bring you a hope and a future. And Lamentations chapter three, it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. And that's from the Hebrew Bible that Christians kind of stole and called the Old Testament in the Protestant Bible.
So why would there be verses of hope and joy in the middle of cultural calamity? Well, Jeremiah goes on to say, where you're being sent into exile by God, live your life, give your daughters in marriage. Have joy even in the middle of this calamity. And I think the reason for that is this, and this is what I want to share. Part of what I want to do as Pastor Paul on TikTok and YouTube and Facebook is say, listen, we can still have hope. There is a purpose for all that we're seeing going on. There's a purpose. I don't, I don't believe in this idea of God wanted Donald Trump to be president. We chose that out of the darkness of our heart. But the blessing of Donald Trump being president is it showed the ugly heart of many of Americans who are more bent on self-protection than the Christian life of self-sacrifice. And when that happens, if a culture can't repent of that, overturn comes so that something new can come. So I want to share a little bit from where I see this in the Bible and where I pull this story from. And let's start in Matthew 24, which is an apocalyptic chapter that a lot of end times conspiracy theorists use to say, ooh, this is going to be happening. But what is talked about in Matthew 24 actually happened already in 70 AD at the destruction of Jerusalem. It's not something that's coming. It's something that already happened. And it starts this way. In the start of Matthew 24, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. And, you know, the guy's closest in with them. And they're walking by the temple, which some say should have been one of the eight wonders of the world. This beautiful, amazing temple that that uh, is, of course, destroyed now. And the disciples are saying, wow, isn't this place amazing? And Jesus says something really ominous. So let's read it real quick. Matthew 24 verse 1 says, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, and this was the last time that the story of Jesus says he was in the temple, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. And they were kind of like, ooh, aren't these amazing? Verse 2, but Jesus responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And as we know, in Jerusalem in 70 AD, the Romans came and did take down the city of Jerusalem and completely destroyed the temple. For those wondering, I do have incense burning. I usually do that. I just like the aroma to make it feel like a spiritual moment. So if you see smoke, I'm not having cigarettes and my house is not burning down. So just a a sign of the presence of the divine of heaven. So here we see Jesus and his friends saying, wow, isn't this amazing? These, this religious system that we have and that we built and look at these buildings, aren't they amazing? And Jesus says, you know what? Not one stone of these are gonna stand on another. Now, some may say, well, this was actually written after 70 AD and they're making it look like Jesus predicted it and I'm fine. I don't, I'm not gonna argue with you about that. But to me, the point is this, and particularly for Christians who believe in the 
literal interpretation of the Bible, I would say to you, then why did Jesus not say, pray that this doesn't happen? God cares so much about the church and religion. Pray that this doesn't happen. And I think that's important to note because what he's saying is what this religion has become with these self-righteous leaders imposing bondage of law onto people while hypocritically giving themselves freedom from it, that's got to go away. And you know where I see that happening today? I mean, just think about how we had a right wing shouting, Blue Lives Matter, mocking people of color who were hurting and in pain and now are saying, defund the FBI. When that becomes your religion, I want to impose bondage onto others under the law of religion. We see through history, that's when that religion and quite often that culture cease to exist. And so history or spirituality or a God grid, when that starts to happen, then culture starts to come to an end. So let's look at Jesus. It says here, as he was leaving the temple grounds, and this is the start of Matthew 24. One thing to know when you're looking at the Bible is the chapter breaks were put in there long after the text and the stories were written. And sometimes the breaks are fairly random. And so it's important to look at what happened at the end of the previous chapter to know why something happened. So Jesus is walking by the temple here and says, no stone of that will stand on another. So let's look at what happened previously at the end of chapter 23 of Matthew and the heading, and again, the headings were put in there later as well. The heading says, Jesus grieves over Jerusalem. And so we'll read this in Matthew 23. It says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus is pronouncing, hey, I've came, I've come to preach another message. And that message has been rejected. And sadly, some bad things are coming your way. And, and I really feel like that is a message that for the last 20, 30 years, many of us have been saying, hey, right-wing church, something is wrong here. The way we treat President Obama is not Christian. It doesn't look like Christ. Partnering ourselves with a political party doesn't look like Christ. Giving George Bush a free pass to do anything he wants to do because he's Christian doesn't feel right. And again and again, the church has said, who cares? The Franklin Grahams, the Jerry Falwell Juniors, uh, you name it, have all said, go to hell. We want to be politically powerful so we can impose religious bondage onto others through the civil code and the power of politics. And how are we any different than the people Jesus called whitewashed tombs in the first century? 
it is the exact same belief system. It is the belief that, 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 that these religious leaders that Jesus so mocked openly, their belief was God's plan was to make Israel great again. God was going to throw out the Romans, restore them as the, the racial and national charge of their country with their religion imposed as the civil code. We read about it in Luke chapter 11 when the Sanhedrin meets and they say, if Jesus keeps doing what he's doing, we will lose our temple and lose our country. Their goal was once again to have Israel be the economic and military power of the world because they believed that's the only way life could be peaceful on earth. And how is it any different what than what right-wingers believe is the only way the world can be godly is for America to be great, America to be the economic and military power of the world. And the only way that happens is if Christians are in charge of the levers of government and impose abortion bans and gay marriage bans and such on the country. And when that becomes your priority and caring for justice for the poor, the marginalized, the economically disadvantaged, and the foreigner, that's when cultures are overturned by the mercy of God in the Bible. And it's really important, I think, that this happened because what we read in the Old Testament prophets are these judgments upon a people group. <clears throat> That's why it's always kind of funny when people say to me like, well, you shouldn't say all Christians, but yet Jesus spoke to the spirit of a people group. He said, Jerusalem, you who stone the prophets. Well, not all people who may have been in Jerusalem that day had stoned a prophet. That was just the mindset of the collective of the time. And Jesus was speaking to that mindset. And so Christians, if that's your defense, well, that's not all of us. Then let me tell you, that holy righteous middle just doesn't cut it anymore. You are either speaking out against right-wing Christianity and what it's doing in the country or you're complicit to empowering it. So why then do cultures get overturned when they start to care more about being the military and economic power of the world and imposing Christian laws or any religious laws rather than making sure to tear, take care of the poorest of the marginalized like the LGBTQ plus community or, or the trans folks in that community? If you wanna demonize them to pass laws for political gain rather than caring for them, declaring foreigners to be rapists and drug dealers rather than how do we find a reasonable solution to border issues with a caring heart. And when we don't give a damn about the economically disadvantaged, like the Bible talks about the widows who didn't have a chance to earn the, their keep and their living. When those things happen, cultures got overturned on a regular basis. So I don't think it's a coincidence that we see right-wing power fighting for power, using Christianity, prostituting the religion to do it. And then we find our culture in disarray and meltdown. And the reason those things, I think, have to happen when people say enough times, no, we don't give a damn about the commands of the Bible to take care of the poor. We only care about the rules that we pick and choose and cherry pick from the Bible to impose on others so we can feel righteous while condemning them. That's a religion that can't have one stone left on another. And so we do see in this season, 
evangelicalism in particular is shrinking at record rates in America. And for the first time in history, America is a majority unchurched country. More than half of the people in America do not attend a synagogue or a church or a mosque on a regular basis. We are becoming an unchurched country. And I think that's good. And I think that is because not one stone will be left on the other of evangelicalism and right-wing Christianity in the next generation. Isaiah 43 says it like this, as in the midst of great cursing of a people group, Isaiah, the writer says, all of these bad things have happened. And he has this passage that I think is really interesting and pertinent for this season. Isaiah 43, let's start at verse 18. It says, do not call to mind the former things or consider things of the past. Behold, I am going down to do something new. Now it will spring up. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the desert, uh, in the wilderness, and rivers in the desert. Bad religion and bad theology and bad attempts at political power have to go so that something new can come. I believe we're in this season where America has had done amazing things and in many ways been this amazing country, but we've gone the way of this right-wing Christianity and claiming our ability to impose laws onto others makes us great. And that's when the Bible says, well, not one stone of that religious system will be left on another. So we lament and grieve, wow, these are some really crappy people we have in charge of the country, like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Paul Gasser. And a delusion has fallen on our people, as Jesus also predicted when he said, says the leaven of bad religion will take away your eyes to see and ears to hear. That's why people are becoming easily manipulated in this season. You give yourself over to enough of Fox News and QAnon websites and end times preaching in your churches, and you can no longer have any ability to comprehend truth. Your eyes to see and ears to hear go away. And so we're seeing our culture melt down because of this very bad religious system. But Jeremiah said in the middle of it all, hey, go ahead and live your life. You're going to be okay. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that the universe has for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that amazing? And in Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of heaven never ceases. The mercies that come from loving one another never come to an end. They're new every morning. So we're going to hold on to each other in this community. We're going to pursue healthy spirituality and well-being together. And we're going to say, yes, it's time 
for that church to go away, that church in a building on Sunday morning that can no longer distinguish itself from right-wing politics and right-wing Christianity that has lost its eyes to see and ears to hear. Uh, the prophets are all saying, God wants to make America great again. And Jeremiah is once again here saying, nope, don't listen to those guys. That is not true. Because when a people become fat and sleek, and don't care about justice for the poor, the marginalized, the foreigner, and the economically disadvantaged. Those cultures melt down so that something new can come. Amen.